They're busy trying to memorize all of Chris Bassett's pitches. But he calls them himself. They don't need to memorize them. <laughs> <laughs> I trust uh, Tim Meza less than you. I think <laughs> less than the bottom. <laughs> well, I'm going to start not where you want me to, which is with a little bit of empathy. And welcome to episode number 266 of the Artificial Turf Wars podcast, where we are having such a good time with the Blue Jays, we hardly know what to say. Uh, I am joined, as always, by uh, the Jokund Joshua Hausam. <laughs> That's a different one. <laughs> and uh, and for a change, for a change, folks, by the mirthful Nick Dyka. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thanks, uh, Greg. I'm a bat bandwagon podcaster. Jay's, well, uh, Jay's had a good week, so hopped right back on. Now's the time. <laughs> if ever there was a time to get on board. Uh, yeah, I, my first talking point is the Blue Jays are quite good. Thank you very much. But I think we're supposed to go into more depth. So we're going to talk about the rotation because, my goodness, th this week they could do no wrong. Um, and then we're going to talk about if something were to go wrong, what would happen? Uh, because we like, to, we like to cause a little little panic underneath things the bullpen has not been nearly as nice as the, the rotation uh but we have seen uh adam simber go on the dl which means nate pearson is in the house um <clears throat> jansen is heating up belt is turning back into a major league hitter possibly maybe uh the bottom of the order in general against the the pitiful chicago white Sox is worth talking about um, we saw Santiago Espinal hit on the hand, and thank goodness he's back after only a couple of games. But now George Springer has been hit on the hand. We will talk about what happens in the long run with him. We have your questions, and we have a do-over, because uh, if ever baseball was not supposed to belong on Apple TV, uh, wow, here's an argument for why. Uh, <laughs> with that, <laughs> I turn it over to you, Josh. Uh, the Blue Jays seem to be quite good. Um, they went into New York, took two of three. They came home. They uh, they swept the White Sox, who are well, a sad, sad uh, imitation of a baseball club at the moment. But but how are you feeling overall? Well, I mean, it's hard not to be just generally optimistic about what's going on right now, especially because the offense isn't like some guys just still aren't hitting. Like Barsho has been pretty terrible, and Kirk is getting on base a lot, but he's not hitting a lot necessarily. We'll get to him more in depth, but. You know, it's it's a situation where they're still going a few guys hot at a time, but they're being carried so heavily by the pitching that it's hard to be anything but happy. Yeah, Nick, um, here's a question I didn't think would be difficult to answer uh, at the beginning of the season, but I'm going to ask you, who's your favorite Blue Jay starting pitcher? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I think just because of what he went through last year, it's hard not to kind of be rooting for uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, you know, he had another good start today uh, against a White Sox team that I didn't think was as bad as they look right now. But in any case, yeah, seeing Kikuchi string together uh, some good starts is, I think, probably my favorite story of all the rotation stories going on right now. So is it funny to me that when you started with considering all the things he went through last year, I thought, well, he's, he's either going to say Barrios yeah. or Kikuchi, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not sure. I, I can't commit. 
Yeah, Barrios has the softer landing with the the long term deal. So I, I, they both have good contracts that are pretty soft landings. Barrios is you know pillow soft, but Kikuchi's got like that nice rubber crash mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so we started recording last time in the middle of or at the start of Barrios' start against Houston, including that start. There have been seven seven games. The Jays during that time, their starters have thrown 46 innings in seven games, so almost seven innings a start. 0.98 ERA, <laughs> 0.7 whip. Ridiculous. 43 strikeouts to nine walks. Just dominance. Yeah. And, and, good. and it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's uh, hard throwing, splitter tossing uh, Kevin Gaussman or the the pitch salad that Chris Bassett throws out there or you know the, the left-handed elite stuff with good control of Yusei Kikuchi etc doesn't matter it's like the other team is is like they're not reading the scouting report which is fine with me they can continue to not do that for another <laughs> couple of weeks um, yeah I yeah. don't know how, how you follow up on that really well, you just keep doing it. That's not. <laughs> but it's interesting you say that because they're... Barrios and Manoa kind of have similar stuff in the sense of their fastball, slurvy, breaking ball, and a changeup. And they both have two fastballs. But their their size difference makes their pitches look different. And then all the other guys are completely different. As you said, Bassett will throw a million pitches at you that range from 68 miles an hour up to 94. Four-ish, and he might get harder during the summer. And then Gossman throws two pitches, really. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's really fun to watch, and it actually makes it a lot more entertaining as, as someone who loves pitching. I really enjoy going to the ballpark and seeing the different approaches. I was there Monday, and I was there with Nick for the Brio start, and it was fascinating watching Bassett and Brios go back-to-back and just seeing how they both attack the same lineup in completely different ways, and both completely shut them down. Yeah, good fun. Um, is there any particular part of a start that you want to highlight there in that in that whole stretch? Because everything was so good, it's kind of like, okay, should we, you know, are, are we, you know, Gaussman striking out people like Mad is probably notable in and of itself, because I believe that's the most he's had as a Blue Jay, right? Was it 11 strikeouts? I think it was the highest game score in the Blue Jays history at Yankee Stadium. Right. It, you know, and, and you've had some guys who really try and bring their A game to Yankee Stadium and, and a cut above. Um, now, the Yankees are beat up like anything, but they're still winning games when they're not playing the Blue Jays. So no slouch there. No. Nick, anything you particularly stands out to you? Uh, not really. I don't have the same... Uh... You know, I don't, I'm not able to watch a start with the same eye as as you, Josh. I know, I think Barrios, they said when I was watching the highlights after the game, because I'm that kind of person who goes to the game and then watches the highlights of the game he was at. Uh, they said he threw his like hardest pitches a Blue Jay or something uh, that day, which is interesting because I, I know velocity is not as much a part of Barrios's, uh, you know, Barrios's repertoire or whatever. But if he is, you know, sitting a couple miles an hour higher than he was last year like does that impact his ability to get guys out 
I can't see how it wouldn't. Just theoretically, if you throw harder, it should make things a little better. And, and we noticed it when we were at the game. I, I mean, in the first inning, I saw him throw a fastball by someone at 97.4. He hit yeah. 97.9 at one point. And, you know, when you're seeing that, it's it's definitely more encouraging because, it, especially with Barrios, whose fastball can get hit hard sometimes, it's something that allows him a little more leeway because the more velocity you have, the more room for error you have. Yeah, provided your control is not affected by you overthrowing the baseball, I think harder is always better. On average. Yeah. <laughs> the obvious caveats for breaking balls and change-ups, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty cool. I think the other thing that I'm it was nice to see was Alec Manoa, who had had some very rough outings, uh, which we are not used to him. Um, come and, and set things right again in Yankee Stadium, uh, where you would think it would be more difficult to gather yourself and and uh, and get things on track uh, with the pinstripes everywhere. So yeah, uh, you know we did see though that Chris Bassett had to leave the game because his back was tight. Apparently, from the beginning of the game, it was tight the whole time. It was just decided that he was going to get in as many pitches, hopefully a hundred, as he could, and if it got worse. He was going to stop and he got 98 pitches and then he spiked one and and that was that was the time to go get the trainer which is kind of a weird like when i heard that i'm like okay that's not how i would treat a tight back but i i guess when you don't have any choice which kind of highlights that the blue jays don't really have a choice do they yeah do you know who their depth options are <laughs> mitch white is still going to be out for a while i'm assuming so he made his start today for Dunedin and threw three innings of pretty ineffective baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is his first rehab outing, so I don't take too much from that. But, you know, he, so there, there's, that's going to be a, uh, an interesting roster wrinkle when he inevitably comes back, um, in which now, since so he started his rehab, has to be within the next 30 days. But uh, it's like we're talking about Drew Hutchison. Casey Lawrence, it's not, hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not what you want. You know, Brandon, Bob Trevor Francis, Richards for three. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, like maybe call up Hayden Younger and Richards and then piggyback them. Uh, Bowden Francis or Bowden, I'm not sure how he's pronounced that. He looked really good in spring. I, I really enjoyed watching him and then he, but he's hurt. It's not necessarily a long-term thing, but he's out right now. So if Bassett weren't able to go and Zach Thompson, the guy that they acquired to be this, bridge depth option has been awful 17 runs allowed in 17 innings in the minor league so far consistent though <laughs> i i would like to con contribute to the uh the the get chris bassett a, a, a registered massage therapist fund <laughs> or whatever we'll send him an, ob an obus form yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get him a backrest uh for the I'll flight obviously you and back pain <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Uh, okay, well, while, <laughs> while the ex existential threat of a rotation injury looms, and of course, I mean, there are such things as off days in the schedule, and sometimes these things can be manipulated. It's not the end of the world if someone were to end up on the 15-day DL. It's just if something more long-term happens. IL. IL. Uh, if something more long-term happens, uh, exaggerated shrug from me here in my chair. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, the bullpen has not quite been what the starting rotation has been, although it's not been awful. There's been a couple of guys who have not done what we have hoped, including Jordan Romano, I think, because the, the loss in, in Yankee Stadium was... Uh, that was like an entire game of foreshadowing in in my mind. Did did you feel the 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 loss coming on, Nick? Um, yeah, I kind of I kind of did. No, the Yankee Stadium outing. That wasn't the outing where he threw only sliders, right? That was Houston. No, that was that was, was previously against Houston. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was Houston. a successful outing. Yeah, so it's I just on the back coming on the back of like the, the outing where he threw only sliders. I was kind of wondering is, is there maybe something going on with him that's making him, you know, it's e- easier for him to throw his slider right now. Cause something's not quite right. Or is it just purely on effectiveness? Um, yeah. He, I, I was kind of wondering if he was doing okay, or maybe there's, no, he's done that before. Um, and then he looked fine against the white Sox. He just, there are games that he just gets really slider happy because he's got such a good one. And, you know, he's still th- uh, the, the one fastball he threw was 98 or something. I mean, and he gets, you know, top of the line extension. So I think he's fine. I think he just decided that that was working against those hitters. And it did yeah. not work against the Yankees. Hitters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, was it leadoff double against the Yankees? And then was it hit by pitch or a walk? And it continued uh, to go downhill. Did he get an out? No. Um, no. <laughs> but, but no, what happened was there was a ground ball that. Chapman kind of he made like a sliding attempt at and kicked it right which allowed them to get to third base and then the infield came in and then what would have been a ground ball out is a single and Chapman has to make that play like he has been kind of bad defensively in the early going he still makes the occasional play that only he can make or you know only he and Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado can make where he's really deep in that hole and he feels the ball and throws the guy out with ease but he's been bouncing a lot of throws and he kicked that grounder. It's like, he, he's got to pick it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It, it does seem like there's a, there's a, you know, I don't want to accuse guys of, of lapsing concentration, but it does seem like the parts are not uh, coordinated in, in certain moments. Like there's a little bit of panic in there somewhere. Um, cause, yeah. You would have thought he would have managed to knock that ball down instead of kind of cue it off. He should of have him. fielded it. Yeah. Like he, he should have come up with it, but whatever. We're not talking about him. We're talking about the bullpen. <laughs> I guess I'm personally not as worried about the bullpen. Like if you look, most of the most of the guys in there have, you know, thrown between six and ten innings on the year. So, you know, if if someone's velocity was really really down or something like that, that would to me be more of a cause for concern. Because well, that's Anthony Bass. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, his velocity's although- down. Although it's funny because I've already kind of like moved him in my brain, just moved him down the bullpen depth chart. And like, you know, he's he seems like he's like, you know, a seventh inning guy. He came in last night when the Jays were were up by six runs, five runs. Um, I don't know. Enough in the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the bullpen has a lot of promise, like with, with Pearson up, Zap, Zach Pops looking really good, um, you know, Gimme. Or, sorry, Jimmy or Jimmy? Jimmy. How's he it's pronounced? Jimmy now. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Garcia. Um, you know, if they can, his thing is he he struggles back to back. So with the other high leverage guys, they should be able to deploy him in better situations for him. Um, I'm pretty optimistic uh, about the pen. 
Yeah, it was just sort of a, uh, the the reason that this came up now is because Garcia had a couple of bad outings and then Simber well, gave up a, a, a couple bombs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, well, anyway, the, but I was going to say is that we had he had a couple of bad outings, but we have a question about our trust level, which so I'm not going to get into that now. Bass has been pretty bad, and then Simber got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, like, regardless of the confidence level of the guys in the bullpen, there were some changes that came to it, which is sort of what why this came up. Right. And then obviously, as you sort of threw in there, that meant Nate Pearson. And there's there's apparently not a thing wrong with Nate Pearson. He did park a curveball for his first strikeout this year, which was was uh, my understanding, a thing of beauty. (laughs) And he's throwing 98, nine, something like that. Ninety nine miles an hour still, which is, again, what we were there, there was when there was some confusion about what Nate Pearson was doing, he was all the way down to 97 miles an hour. The last time we saw him uh, try to start like now it's like almost two years ago. Um, But coming back from an 18, 17 month uh, hiatus, uh, I was happy to see him throwing a hundred and, and with a working curveball. I mean, he was doing that in spring too. So we knew the velocity was back. But it's obviously it's a different beast doing it in the major league outing. He hit he hit Elvis Andrews, I think it was first batter back. He sticks him. It's like oh god, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that was worrying or anything. It's just like you feel bad for the guy. He hasn't been in the major leagues in two years, and the first batter back he hits him with two strikes. Um, but then yeah, he threw two really good curveballs to I can't remember who the hitter was, but the guy he struck out to end the game the end the inning. He started him with a really good curveball in the dirt that he swung over and then finished him by freezing him with a curveball in the zone. Good stuff. It, it's a weapon for him that he didn't throw a lot of. He didn't use it very much. The last time he was in a major league pen in 2021, he was basically fastball slider, but Nick and I were talking about this at the game too. It's a weapon of his and he, and he, you know, he came up as a starter, so he had to have more than two pitches because he's not Kevin Gosman. <laughs> and, <laughs> And his curveball, I've always thought was better than his slider. I just, I, I got re- uh, nostalgic for Brett Cecil when <laughs> when someone called someone called the curveball Uncle Charlie, and I'm like, oh, I'm back in like 2012, <laughs> 2012, 2015. I there was a lot of Brett Cecil to love, but okay, 2015, um, 2012. Brett Cecil was still a starter, I think. All right, uh, but you know that's still eight years ago. This is a long time ago, but that was the last time there was a really great Uncle Charlie curveball in the bullpen. So it would be cool if Nate Pearson brought back the uh, lock up your knees curveball. I'm I'm a hundred percent here for it. Uh, here's an attempt at a segue. You know what I'm also here for? Danny Danny Jansen dingers. I bet you two are here for him. <laughs> Nick, always, Nick. always. We were talking about this yesterday too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's another, not to be super repetitive, but you know, I think Jansen's had what, like not even 60 at bats this year. So I think his struggles, if they happened in the middle of June, we'd barely notice it, but because he started the season kind of slow, it felt, you know, it was a little more noticeable and felt a little more pressing than, than it probably should. But I'm not surprised to, to see Jansen. I think we're going to see a somewhat similar, I don't think he'll be as good as, as last year, but I think we'll we'll see an above average hitting catcher this year. 
Um, yeah, I don't think anybody was really worried about Danny no, Jensen. I haven't even I haven't seen that anywhere because no, I, I think the, the the only issue that it was worth talking about was both catchers seemed to come into the season kind of uh, swinging at air, uh, and it was kind of like, well, one of these guys yeah. is supposed to be hitting either or. <laughs> it well, doesn't have to be both. They're 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 busy trying to memorize all of Chris Bassett's pitches. But he calls them himself. They don't need to memorize. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, three home runs over the uh, he hit the one against the Yankees, the big one that turned out to not matter because of the aforementioned Romano outing. And he had two in the game, the Brio start against the White Sox. I wanted to get the audio from the like, NBA Jam. He's heating up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Danny Jensen pulling fly balls is good. <laughs> That's when everything is working fine when he's pulling fly balls. It works. Uh, and Josh, if you do, you want to give people the email address for the Danny Jansen fan club that you and Nick are presidents of, co-presidents? <laughs> no. <laughs> Josh and Nick were right at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brandon Belt has not been a disaster the past week. He had a really nice game in Houston, I believe, was the, was his sort of breakout game, uh, and he has continued to take Yankees. walks. Oh, sorry, at the, versus the Yankees. Uh, and he's continued to, to take walks and 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 get on base somewhat. Now I'm not, you know, over the last week. What what is his OPS plus? I had it up here. It, it's still not not that pretty. It is. Oh, it's 150. So over the past week, he has a 150 OPS plus. Um, he is still striking out 26.7 percent of the time, which isn't fantastic. But plus we did in 2021, though. Yeah. Um. But to have Brandon Belt not be a black hole. Uh. As you know, that's what we were expecting, though, mostly, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I wasn't. If you mean expecting I, him not I to be one, wasn't, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, I think <laughs> I was telling Josh this too yesterday. I, I think he's going to be hitting higher in the order than than Varsho uh, at some point this season. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm even surprised they're sheltering him from lefties as much as they are because he, he was a full time player and in San Francisco for, you know, his whole career. Um, yeah, I, I'm expecting him to, to, you know, have like an 800, 820 OPS uh, by the end of the year. They just want to spread those DH at bats around. So when there's a lefty on the mound, it's a good excuse. Yeah, I, I do think there's, there's, that's part of it too. Like getting Kirk in there to a few more at bats than just catching two out of every, every five games. And, and Belt was like, super rusty <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah his his first when he started the season he was he got a hit in the first game but in his first 25 plate appearances he struck out 15 times so <laughs> they're a little justified in maybe easing him back in again after that <laughs> but i do think he's going to start playing more and you know he just has such a track record of being a good hitter and he's healthy so there's no reason yeah. not to do it. Also, it allows them to get Vlad off his feet a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's He played first, I think, the first game of the White Sox series. Um, yeah. He's been playing first more than I thought he would, to be honest. I think that was intentional. They got a guy in. Because Vlad played, I think he only DH'd maybe five times last year. It might be more than that, but it wasn't a lot more than that. Because their first basemen were Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Goriel Jr., you know, neither of them is a first baseman. So getting a guy in who can legitimately play the position and play it well, and then who can also carry his own at the plate, 
allows them to, you know, maybe play Vlad five out of seven games instead of, you know, 13 out of 14. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, you want a fresh as possible Vlad Jr. for September, right? You do not want him to peter out, uh, which we've seen that happen even in his, you know, MVP style season. He, he, uh, <clears throat> he did not have the same amount of power in, in September. If, if you, run Brandon Belt out there more, I don't think you lose a ton on defense and you help Vlad as much as you can because you, you need that guy that bad in the lineup for those 150-plus games if you can get it. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. So the the White Sox, they didn't really handle anything particularly well, but you, know, you would at least think they were going to handle the bottom of the order well. Um, yeah. What what do you think Whit Merrifield's OPS was this week? <laughs> OPS, sorry, WRC plus. Um, just ballpark high. <laughs> behind Danny Jansen's ridiculous three seventy one and fourteen plate appearances for WRC plus. Whit Merrifield was one eighty eight. He was the second best hitter on the team. Uh, th- he's not the only one though. A ton of uh, production came out of the bottom of the order. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the game today, uh, I'll let you jump in quickly after this. Even Santiago Espinal returned from injury and got three hits and drove in a run. Yeah, I, I think with with Merrifield and and Espinal, they're both hitters that don't strike out a ton, and so they're going to run a little hotter and a little colder than probably a hitter who does have more swing and miss and patience in in their game. Um, and they're fall this week. They're falling for for both those guys. And it was nice to see Merrifield take three walks against the in, in the series against the White Sox. So he had he had three hits and three walks. So when he's taking pitches, it's a lot better because, as you said, he's not it's not really what he's known for. Um, there were some crazy walk numbers this week. I mean, the Jays walked uh, was it it was eight times in the first uh, game against the White Sox, I think, um, which is which is a fair number for any lineup. But Whit Merrifield walked at a, in 21% of his plate appearances. Alejandro Kirk, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, also in 21% of his plate appearances. Not a guy who's especially known for walking. Alejandro Kirk walked six times in 15 plate appearances. 40% of the time, they walked Kirk. And if you've seen how much strike zone Kirk has, um, it's not, it shouldn't be that easy to walk him. I don't know. He's, he's got very little strike zone. It should be easier to walk him. Yeah. <laughs> so short. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, my bad. Yeah. I'm I'm upside down. Um, but he's such a patient hitter too. Yeah, he's not been been hitting for power at all though. So you would figure teams would want to come after him uh, to see if they could get him out because even putting the ball in play without much power, if he's putting in play on the ground, you got a good chance of getting Kirk out. Uh, not so much. You know, it's funny. This is very similar to how he started last season, where he was still taking his walks and still not striking out very much, but just could not drive a baseball. <laughs> it was bizarre. It took, I think it took until the 17th game for him to hit a ball 100 miles an hour. And this year, he's got he's in the eighth percentile of average exit velocity right now. And, you know, this is a guy who last year averaged 90.5 miles per hour, and this year it's 85. He was a 78th percentile guy last year. So it's really good to see, oddly, that everything else is staying the same. The patience is not – he's not jumping at pitches. He's still taking his walks because the 
the good contact will come. He's too good a hitter for it not to come. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's proven that over and over again that the the bat is there. It's just yeah, it's really weird how he he kind of backs into his production um more often than not. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, he's hitting he's hitting line drive doubles again." Okay. <laughs> I don't what changed? <laughs> I don't know if this matters, but he had a, a late start to spring too. With um, he he was on paternity leave, right at the beginning. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, I don't know. It could be uh, any anybody who pulls off a, a weekly line of two twenty two five thirty three three thirty three is going to be confusing <laughs> and mystifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Espinal was, like you said, back from injury. So that was a bit of a scary moment. Not like earth shatteringly bad, um, because I think, you know, life without Santiago Espinal is not the end of the world. But seeing a guy hit on his hand is not what you want. Um, he was off for, I think, two games plus an off day, back and hitting. Now, George Springer came out of the game today, hit on the hand. Nick, your thoughts on a Springer absence and what it means? Well, I did see that it looks like it's a contusion, not a break or fracture or anything like that. So that appears to be good news as of as of right now. The preliminary X-rays, uh, I don't I don't know what preliminary X-rays means, but hopefully it's not <laughs> it's not too long an absence. But yeah, I mean, do do, do you remember Brett Laurie? <laughs> oh no, he's gonna <laughs> fall into an abyss. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, Springer hasn't really contributed a ton offensively so far this year he has made a ton of good plays on defense and like even even this afternoon before he got hit he made like a great running catch going kind of into the into the crowd on a on a fly ball that was kind of diving like cutting away from him um, that was after so, he got hit <laughs> oh that was after he got hit okay yeah. yeah so um you know seeing springer in right field is it really is added value defensively um and he has been contributing that and I was, I'm confounded with him as a hitter. Like again, I, I I have no great eye for this, but you see him swing sometimes, and I just think he's he's never gonna hit well again. Like he falling over and like lunging at breaking balls on the lower outside part of the plate, and he sometimes he just looks so bad. But then he you know he can go on a heater and yeah so i think he would have he would have heated up and a lot of the things he was doing like he was hitting the ball hard even though he wasn't getting on base i remember he smoked one at right at alex bregman and he's just hit into some bad luck so so hopefully you know he comes back in a couple of days and he can get get some balls to start falling for him i don't have anything to add to that <laughs> sorry that was, that was quite the monologue <laughs> no. nothing to say yeah. Springer has always looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he was at his best, when he was, you know, hitting 39 home runs for the Astros, he still looked like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the talent just, just doesn't, uh, doesn't come out in the, in the form. Something it's somewhere else when he's hitting yeah. and all of a sudden he's hitting, uh, the, you know, what the third most leadoff home runs in, in American league history or something like that. Major uh, league history. Is it major league history? I wasn't sure if it was major league or, or American. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's the week that was. Uh, th there are obviously no team is perfect, uh, but the Blue Jays went five and one, uh, and 
they have uh, they have an off day tomorrow, the Thursday, and then they're still on a homestand. So it's it's literally home cooking uh, with a day off. So they should be able to stay fresh. Hopefully, we can come back to you uh, next week with a weekly review. Uh, but before before we talk about a whole another week, we're gonna answer some questions from our fine listeners, and we will be right back with those after a short break. And welcome back. You know, I don't think I actually said that I was your host, Greg Wisniewski, but um, now I have. So we're pretty much covered for that. I mean, it's a little late, but everybody knows that the questions are coming up anyway, right? Uh, I'm just going to play this. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, I don't have to repeat the question. Well, actually, I mean, I'm going to repeat a question to start. Jarrett S. Uh, last week mm-hmm. asked about if there was anything concerning we needed to fix with regards uh, to the Jays' first inning ERA. And I would say to you, the, the, I think last week answered your question uh, much better than we did in our previous podcast. So <laughs> thumbs up to the first inning ERA. Uh, this week's questions begin with BK at underscore BKUH underscore... Uh, revisiting, uh, please, the bullpen power rankings question from a few episodes ago, i.e. the the democratic um, trust level of us in each of the relievers. I don't remember the exact uh, order. I think we did we forget Swanson until the end last time, Josh? No, we forgot. Uh, it was very prescient. We, for, we forgot Simber. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could forget Simber again. Um, okay, so... Uh, who are my my top three are are still obviously Jordan Romano. Uh, I still believe in Jimmy Garcia and and Eric Swanson. I'm I'm you know Trevor Richards has actually been. I feel like he's been good. I haven't really been paying attention to the late games because the Jays have been up by so many runs. It's it's harder to judge when everybody puts up zeros for two games in a row. Um, I think Nate Pearson has to earn his way up into that that higher echelon because he's just an unknown quantity despite all of the stuff um and then we have uh zach pop i'm I'm fine with zach pop in in the late innings as well uh anthony bass is at the bottom of the barrel have i forgotten somebody timmy Mesa. uh yeah i don't i'm mm, still nervous (laughs) i think Mesa (laughs) and bass are down there together for me even if that's not necessarily logical josh well let nick go first since i've already done one okay so i'm I'm just going to kind of say differences between mine and, and Greg's uh, as opposed to just ranking everyone. So I'd say I trust Zach Pop a little more than you. Uh, and I trust Nate Pearson a little more than you just based on stuff. And then I trust uh, Tim Meza less than you. I think <laughs> less than the bottom. <laughs> Even less than. <laughs> I, I, I think I know. I know. But I, I think uh, they're going to need to get another left-handed reliever. Or they, I mean, they could go Astros all righties, but I, I think we're going to see another lefty reliever on the team before the end of the year. I don't know if they would need another lefty with Richards and Swanson. The, they, they're both really good against left-handed hitters because Richards outpitches a changeup and Swanson's is a splitter. And the numbers bear that out. They're both, well, I mean, Swanson's really good against both sides and Richards historically yeah. a little better against lefties. But yeah. I think I agree with both of you in that it's Meza and Bass at the bottom and I trust everybody else 
Um, Garcia's blip doesn't concern me, and I'm I I really like Pop and 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 Pearson and everybody else. There's no reason not to trust them. So I like how Swanson I I, I, like is so good and so consistent that it's like we, there's no question about whether you want him in the eighth or not. Yeah, which is funny because he didn't. It seems so far that Yumi Garcia or Jimmy or everyone says it differently. I mean, the announcers all say it differently, but. He seems to be the setup guy. Mm-hmm. And Swanson is the situational guy, which given Swanson's strikeouts, I get. But he has pitched in a lot of three-run leads and four-run leads. And he, he, I mean, he got a bunch of holds, so obviously those were still save situation type games. But it would be interesting to see if he, he'd see him be the guy in the, you know, in the 0-0 game at Yankee Stadium go to Eric Swanson as opposed to Jimmy Garcia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do I, think Pop Pop can be that guy too. It, it yeah. looks like he's trending towards that. Yep. Yeah. It in in the long run, it's a great bullpen. Um, Ballher at base. Ballher um, asks the weirdest question. If you have no context, which Smurf are you? Um, <laughs> and and uh, that would be well. You you can go look at the tweet and see why it's a relevant question. Um, Josh, which Smurf are you? Um, I'm the bad guy. I'm Gargamel. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, then Brainy Smurf is free. Or I can be free. Lazy Smurf. I'll be Lazy Smurf. <laughs> That's it. That works well for me. Uh, so, okay. I'll still take Brainy. Uh, Nick? <laughs> okay. So, I just Googled, like, a list of the Smurfs. There are so many Smurfs. There are, <laughs> there are the 100 Wikipedia. Smurfs. There is 107 on the Wikipedia. One of them is called Finance Smurf, which why do you, what what kids show needs a finance Smurf? But for the uh, record, that so I have I have a different thing I'm looking at. That was only in the comic books. That, uh, there was no finance Smurf on the show. Right, right, okay. But in any case, I'm picking uh, number 38, which is Slouchy Smurf, because my posture is terrible. <laughs> I'm disgusted when I see a picture of myself like hunched over, but, but that's yeah. from playing so that heavy good. bass guitar all the time, Nick. That's the problem right yeah. there. Um, you can join us next week for uh, our all new podcast, uh, Smurfs on Parade, uh, hosted by <laughs> <laughs> Nick <laughs> and Josh. Yeah, it'll be sung to the tune of Bulls on Parade by Ra- by Rage Against the Machine, but talking about Smurfs. Yeah, I think we got a winner, boys. Um, we'll, we'll just set this whole baseball thing aside for a couple of weeks, see how she goes. Uh, Matt Halliday at Halliday08 Matt asks, is the entire division going to finish above, above 500? I, I will answer this one first. Lord, I hope not. I think it's possible. Josh, you, are, I know, I'm guessing you think the Red Sox won't? I, and I'm not convinced that Baltimore will, despite the fact that Baltimore's currently ahead of the Blue Jays. I don't. I, I just don't believe in the in the Orioles pitching. Yeah, they really should have got some pitchers this off season. But um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think it's possible. It's it's probably not that likely, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, it, it's not crazily improbable. I mean, if you look at the biggest factor, which is the reduced intra division games last mm-hmm. year, if the Red Sox just went one game under 500 against the Jays, they would have been six games over 500. Instead, they finished six <laughs> games under 500. I mean, 
the Jays' dominance of the Red Sox is the only thing that kept the Red Sox, uh, kept the entire division from being above 500 without the more balanced schedule. So I think there's a very good chance of it happening. I just, I'm still betting against it. Um, I love our listeners uh, because we get questions uh, like Smiley Face Picnic's uh, question here. Before the season, Josh predicted Kikuchi would finish the season with an ERA starting with a three. First of all, I think it's great that uh, Smiley Face Picnic remembers that specific fact about our preseason pre- uh, predictions. But that's, that's you know, not just enough to remember it. That's a big range. That's like a whole run. So how low are you willing to go, Josh? <laughs> how low can you go? <laughs> Um, <laughs> hello, am I willing to predict? Yeah. 3.5, right here, 3.3, 6 An ERA starting with a three and a number uh, not smaller than a six is what you heard uh, here first. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be reminded of that around the All-Star break. <laughs> uh, All Bummer Everything has two questions. Um, first one, I'll throw it to you first, Nick. Which current players in the organization get their names on the level of excellence or equivalent recognition? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say Bo Bichette and... Hmm. I'm going to say Bo Bichette and I'm just going to wildly flail and say, take a guess and say Ricky Tiedman. Not Danny Jansen? <laughs> I, I, he's on our level of excellence. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's yeah. a whole level above the, the level of excellence yeah. you're familiar with at the dome. Uh, your thoughts, Josh? So I don't think it's going to be Bo because I don't think he's going to be here after his free agency comes. I think Vlad's going to stick around, and I think it's going to be him. I mean, I'm not exactly going on Olympic and the best player on the team, <laughs> but if he does stick around, he'll be around for a long time, and he'll put up the kind of career that will get recognized. And the other one, the other uh, Manoa, that's the other guy I can see getting up there. But the, not a lot of pitchers up there. It's just Steve and Halliday right now. Yeah. Where's Jimmy I was going to say oh, Manoa. Hanky's there. Hanky's there. Hanky's there. Yeah. Sure. A, oh, hey. You know what? I was going to say Manoa. I will say Jordan Romano. I believe that the Blue Jays are going to have a closer for more than like three years at some point. And why not hometown <laughs> boy Jordan Romano, right? That makes no. sense. I could see him. And I was wrong. Hanky's not up there. No? No, it's just Stephen Halliday. That's really weird. If you would if yeah. I would I would have lost $20 if you had bet me. Uh okay, and the final question. Rank the following in terms of who ends the year with better numbers. That's just a general. Yeah. Um <laughs> I mean, it, not the ones on the back of the the shirt, just uh, we're going <laughs> to exclude those. Uh Kikuchi, Bassett, or Barrios. Uh Nick I'm going to say Bassett has the worst numbers. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm kind of torn between Kikuchi and Berrios, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kikuchi has the best numbers and Berrios falls in the middle. Right? All right. Uh, I think uh, Berrios has the best numbers at the end of this year. I think he, uh, he goes back to the Jose Berrios that they paid. Like he's, he's well trended back in that direction with the pitch mix and everything else. Uh, and certainly he seems healthy. Um, I think probably Bassett is next, although Bassett is the oldest of the bunch, and then you say Kikuchi. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong about Kikuchi. Does that make sense? Because I don't think the other two guys are going to be bad. Because Kikuchi has been bad, and the other two, except for last year for Barrios, have never been bad. Josh? 
You know, it's funny. Brios and Bassett currently have ERAs of 4.7 and 4.8 regard respectively, because they both have a terrible start on their resume <laughs> so far this year. Yeah. It's, it's in there in the at three, so he's got the nice big head start, but yeah. I'm still going to go. We're all going to have the different top. I'm going to go Bassett number one. And then Kikuchi and Barrios, very close, two and three. Nice. All right, so someone is going to be right at the end of the year. That's good to know. I'm confidence boosted. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have uh, we have a thing that happens on Fridays, and it, it it's it's the Apple TV game of the week, which uh, last year was free. Now you have to sign up for a free trial. It's annoying. That's not the do over. Um, I'm not sure who they get to call Apple TV games. I feel like there's there's hundreds of qualified people who might call a baseball game. Um, but these people are the ones who are about to get this do-over from Strongbat. All right, what would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them Stananks, that could be worthy of a do-over. Yeah, a Stanank or two. I am going to play a clip of, I, I do not know who this person is, but they are getting paid. It's Dan Plesak. Dan Plesak? Dan Plesak yep. said this. Okay. Man, I might have to unfollow him on Twitter. I'm going to play a clip of Dan Plesak <laughs> talking about Dalton Varsho. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife for the D-backs. A little bit of catching. Second base, shortstop, third base, outfield. They're using him primarily in the outfield. He can play four or five different positions power from both sides of the plate he can run too okay there's a there's so many things wrong with that clip nick where do you want to start <laughs> well i'm gonna start not where you want me to which is with a little bit of empathy because you know as someone who comes on here every once in a while and only <laughs> and only has to say things for you know one third of 40 minutes it's it's tough like if you put a microphone in front of anybody for three hours they're going to get some stuff wrong, I think, and say some things wrong. Uh, that said, yeah, it, that's not what Dalton Varsho does. <laughs> not even a little bit. Okay. Uh, Nick, I understand what you're saying. We don't get paid for this. <laughs> we don't do this for a living. Our prep requirement vastly exceeds Dan Plesak's, apparently. But it's not a <laughs> but we don't have to do it he's okay. paid to do this his, his one job is to be the analyst and to and to explain these things you can just quickly click on dalton varsho's baseball reference page and see he's never played shortstop he has never played second he has never played third and he's yeah. not a switch hitter it's not hard see it's one I, I don't mind someone not knowing something about someone like that fine like I, i'm more forgiving of that but he said something with such confidence that was blatantly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Don't say it if you don't know. Yeah. I'm surprised I mean, no one corrected him. Like, that, in the, like no one elbowed him in the booth or something. And That's the do-over for me. <clears throat> there is someone else in the booth. And so I don't know if they're still available on MLB.com, but there's actually like MLB game notes that are handed out at the beginning of a game. And they include a vast amount of information about the two teams that are about to play that include all kinds of weird stuff. So if you, if you wonder why you hear, oh, well, that was his 
500th career hit and his 1500th career RBI or what you know two two milestones at the same time or some round number thing has been been cut off it's in the game notes of streaks that are ongoing and uh milestones that are upcoming it's it's I assume on an iPad file but it's also pieces of paper you used to be able to print them out every day from MLB they were updated so Dan Plesek has in front of him and his broadcast par- partner has in front of them the lineup and a bunch of significant things about each hitter as they come up. They're they're literally reading it off of a notepad. Maybe he misread and it was positions he doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> I said catcher and outfield, so we just blew oh. it all. <laughs> My, it's almost like he read it off of like the player one to the left. But the Blue Jays have no switch hitters. So I don't know where he was getting that at all. Just crazy. Uh, yeah. And I'm Powerful. not sure the Yankees have any switch hitters. Maybe. No, no, maybe they do. Uh, who, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> but again, I, I just, way. that kind of misinformation, given that I know what kind of information they have, because I always wondered about how do you get all these weird facts? Does it like, is someone quickly looking them up? No, they're all looked up beforehand. They're all like, this is a streak that might be added to today. So-and-so is on a 12 game hit streak. It's right below his batting line. Um, so it's not hard to refer to. So yeah, um, but the person beside him has all the time in the world to go. <clears throat> uh, actually, he's a, he's a he's a lefty, Dan. That's <laughs> not that hard. To yeah, do. Maybe, yeah, I just looked it up. I, th- I thought Peraza, Oswald Peraza, not not. Uh, or sorry, Oswaldo Cabrera, not Oswald Peraza. I keep getting those guys confused. He plays all those positions except catcher. So maybe he was looking at two <laughs> different notes at the same time. I don't know. But either way. It's due over to Apple for letting this happen for that broadcast crew. Yeah, it, it is. It is a sad thing where people knowledgeable about more knowledgeable about the team could be broadcasting those games, but they have just uh, their guys. And I, I don't know what their I don't know what their end game is, because I don't think people want to flock to Apple to uh, to change their routine just to listen to a Friday night game from their team. And just as a quick aside, not not related to the do-over, one thing that really surprised me when they were talking about Toronto and Dan Plesak played for the Blue Jays and he had nothing interesting to share. I, I mean, the, the broadcast, aside from being wrong in this case, they were just drab. It's, Plesak came up with the grounds crew when he was here. How do you not talk about that and make the broadcast a little more interesting? <laughs> Maybe he was told not to be interesting. Not sure. That would be an interesting strategy. <laughs> Just play it, play it down the line, play sack. Um, do you have a final thought, uh, Josh? Because I'm going to give Nick time to form his instead of putting him on the spot like I've done in the past. <laughs> um, first off, before I get to it, we got another thing that just came in as a question. It was from Balher again. It said, Greg wants me to ask you about your joy, no follow-ups. I have no idea what that means, but... <laughs> Greg, did you want to ask someone about their joy? No, my tweet was ask us about our joy. We were, I'm oh. very joyful about the Blue Jays. I love a six in one week. I like a starting rotation that uh, that doesn't give up any runs in any significant quantity ever. My heart, my heart is growing like the Grinches. I, that's what I'll say. Um, yeah. Anyone else have any joyful thoughts? We don't get a lot of that in this world these days. You Cy Young Kikuchi, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
anything's possible, man. Anything's possible. I don't know. Maybe by 360 RA, it's not likely, but it's, <laughs> so, it's a bit contradictory. Actual, <laughs> just a little. My actual final thought. Uh, it, I tweeted this out, but I got the most ridiculous responses to it. I was just, I was just idly wondering if Bo Bichette could get to another level if he started being a, if he just tried to pull some fastballs once in a while. Um, he has a very clear approach where he waits and waits and waits and tries to drive everything to the opposite field, and if you throw him a breaking ball, he'll pull it. But just he has a habit of just he'll get a center cut, ninety-four mile an hour fastball, and he'll foul it away. I would love to see him in some counts, like you know, two and zero, three and one, just sell out for a fastball and try to pull the crap out of it and hit it over the fence. And if you swing and miss, you swing and if it's a breaking ball, you swing and miss at it, rather than protecting against the chase on every pitch. I, I like I like the approach of him not swinging out of the zone all the time, which is great, but just sometimes, just. You know, just like he did it against Clay Holmes and he hit a home run. I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but he has power and I'd like to see him get to it on fastballs a little bit more. But, but I mean, I might not work. I don't know. Like, literally, I was just idly speculating. People started thinking I was saying Bo sucks, which you know, I don't think that. <laughs> ah, welcome but, to the internet. <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, I, I just wonder if that could help him tap into something even greater because he's obviously hitting really well. But if he could add more pull power, that'd be awesome. Nick. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna mention what I mentioned to Josh yesterday, which was as this is a very niche final thought, but I was like, Josh, I feel like Brandon Belt looks like someone and I can't place who it was, or I couldn't place who it was for a while. And then I realized I think he looks like Father John Misty. Um I don't, he's Father John Misty is a pretty celebrated like indie folk musician. Um, he's like written songs for Beyonce and Lady Gaga. Um, and I think Brandon Belt looks a lot like him. So if anybody knows who Father John Missy is or what he looks like, I'm curious to know if, if that's just me that sees that or uh, or anyone else sees it. We're about right, to find listeners. out. We're about no, to find no, out listeners. the overlap in our listener base and the Father John <laughs> Missy fan base. Yeah. Or they could just Google. <laughs> no, uh, no, I just exist. I'm tweet texting. at us or tweet at Nick specifically. Tag no, no, don't, uh, don't, no, no, don't, 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 yes. don't tweet at me. Yes. No, tweet I, at Nick and I've tell been him quiet quitting me. social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just texted Josh a, a photo. Um, I already agreed with you when you said it to yeah, me yesterday. Yeah. So like, you yeah. can tweet at me too, but <laughs> it wasn't my final thought. Yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, Redemption Tour in Toronto. It doesn't really need to continue, but it does continue. He um, he slid into third base and and messed up his sliding gloves and tossed them to a fan near the Blue Jays dugout. A young fan who made a face that is, I said on Twitter, the most memeable thing I have seen in weeks. Uh, they did the "Oh my God, can you believe that?" with their mouth open, and it it looked like their mouth locked into the oh my god position for like like 30 seconds straight <laughs> uh and there were several clips of them like wearing the batting gloves gesturing to their their parent uh, or guardian i don't know the relationship um it was really sweet to see someone uh make someone's day like that so unexpected and have them react with just such abject joy so uh there's the other joy i wanted to tell you about the joy of seeing something unexpected and wonderful at the ballpark and on that note 
I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and Nick Dyka, everyone listen, who wants to tweet about <laughs> Father What's-His-Face, at Nick John Dyka. <laughs> oh, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars number 266, and we'll talk at you next week. <laughs>